Welcome to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast with Dr. Steve Albrecht. I am the very same Dr. Steve Albrecht, and this podcast is sponsored by Library 2.0 and produced by the founder of Library 2.0, Steve Hargadon. For more information, you can always go to library20.com, and you can also check out our new website, The Safe Library. That's www.thesafelibrary.com as well for some information about our programs, webinars, and all the things we do to help library staff and leaders stay safe and to do their work and their communications with patrons effectively. So this topic for this half hour as we roll into the holiday season is something I have written about in my HR work, and it deals with a subject which is kind of outside the perimeters of the workplace, but it still connects to the workplace, and it has to do with off-duty sexual harassment or off-duty racial harassment or off-duty bullying. And these events come around, especially during the holiday season, when alcohol is involved or when people are off-site and away from the workplace. and They're at a bar, a restaurant, a hotel, a conference room in a hotel as part of a training program. They're in some auditorium. They're attending training with colleagues. They have went on rental cars and airplanes and, and uh, traveled to get there. And oftentimes, as adults do in the evening hours, they get together for dinner or they've had lunch during the afternoon, uh, during the session, the training program, whatever they're at. And sometimes alcohol is involved in the end of the evening in the, the dinner sessions. And that's when harassment sometimes happens and it turns into a big event because oftentimes um, the perception of some of the people doing the harassing is that, well, this is not really the workplace and I'm not an attorney, but let me tell you, there is a new definition for what is the workplace and it is much broader, much wider, much taller, uh, covers more ground than it used to in the old days. Uh, In your parents' day, or in my parents' day, your grandparents' day, the workplace was a building. It was an office, it was a factory, it was a government facility, it was someplace people went to work and then they went home. Uh, Now we look at the workplace, and this is of course pre-internet and before all of the things that people did to stretch uh, how they did their work and where they did their work and work from home and and working from coffee shops and working from offsite locations and working from branch locations or branch facilities. Now you think about the workplace, it is everywhere. It's a restaurant, it's a coffee shop, it is an airplane, it's uh, sitting in a rental car with a colleague going to the hotel, it's the hotel conference room. Uh, It is a place where you may have access to your work electronically through the internet. It is a place where there is, and this is the part the attorneys pay attention to, a nexus, a connection to the workplace, which can be drawn as being work-related. And so the idea that, well, I'm at a bar, well, I can say whatever I want, is no longer true and, and should not be ever true, that we have the same boundaries or we need the same boundaries. People need to exercise caution about their behavior when they're in a, a restaurant, bar, hotel situation, just like they would if they were sitting across from each other at a conference room table in the facility where they work. So this leads some people to say, well, gee, Steve, uh, how much fun is that in, in life that you know we have to look at our shoes and we can't talk about anything other than the weather when we're out in a social environment? That's not it at all. We can certainly, and we've all done this, we've all socialized with people that we work with, lunch, dinner, 
uh, drinks after work, barbecues, you know, parties, dinner parties, things like that at people's homes where our behavior is perfectly reasonable, acceptable, and no problem. And then there are those situations where people push those boundaries, and it's of a sexually harassing or racially harassing nature. It's jokes, it's comments, it's language, it's behavior, it's uh, things that people show each other on their phones, it's things that somebody says that they think the whole group would think is funny or that, that picks on a certain ethnic group or a certain uh, group by gender. Uh, it's jokes and comments that, that are clearly not uh, appropriate in the workplace, but they're said in a non-workplace environment where people, some people think, well, then the brakes are off, I can do whatever I want. It's certainly not, not possible anymore and not appropriate. So the idea that the workplace is now global, it's now electronically connected, doesn't mean that we can't enjoy each other's company and can't, can't mix people together and talk and eat and laugh um, and in an environment outside of work. It's just that we have to have the same boundaries and the same respect for each other and the same respect for the workplace as if we were sitting in the same building that had the work address on it. So I think about a couple of, of shifts that we have seen, uh, especially in the last you know, 20 or 30 years, which is the, the classic holiday party. The classic, you know, Christmas holiday time party where people get together at the office and, and there, you know, jokes and movies have been made of these things where there's folks drinking and people doing all kinds of inappropriate things and, and folks doing stuff in the copy room and, and outside the view of the boss, people saying stuff about the bosses, about the organization, uh, people having a lot of drinks and cocktails and, and engaging in behavior that they would not do if they were sober and then regretting it later on the next day. As a result of those events, those types of, quote, Hollywood party, or holly, holiday parties, which have been captured in Hollywood, uh, the, the holiday party, quote, unquote, has been um, um, shifted pretty dramatically 10, 15, 20 years uh, ago till now. Uh, to let's have punch, let's have cookies, let's maybe do a gift exchange, let's maybe do a white elephant gift exchange or something like that. Let's wish, wish each other happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy Merry Christmas, happy New Year, and uh, get on with our lives and see it, see after the holiday season is over where the alcohol is not allowed. We don't allow people to engage in those types of behaviors just because it's the holiday time and there's a, quote, party going on, which means that we can say or do whatever we want. It's not that way anymore. So much so that many organizations that if they do have, and when I worked for the city of San Diego, it was this way, they do have holiday parties. Um, they would go to a hotel or they would go to a restaurant or they would rent out a, a hotel um, you know, um, uh, conference room and turn it into a, a party area with drinks and food and that type of thing. Or they would, they would rent out a pretty you know, good size um, um, hall uh, at a place where, you know, like a Marriott or Hyatt or something like that, where we'd have everybody coming in and we'd have, you know, you'd pay for food and, and drinks and, and there's music and dancing and all kinds of stuff. And, and there, the message is that we're having an off-site event. So it's not, it's sanctioned by the organization because it's, it's certainly part of the organization, but it's not like it's taking place in our, in our break room or in our, our facility. And so the, the, the issue couple of ways you can look at it. One is we aren't forcing people to go. Uh, if we sell tickets for the, the food and the booze and, and the door prizes and things like that, then there's, a, there's an investment people make. That doesn't mean you can do whatever you want if you buy a ticket, but 
it's different than if people have to go or they feel like they have to go to a holiday party at, that's happening at the workplace and, you know, they stand around with their colleagues. So it, it's, it's what a lot of organizations did is to say, let's create a delineated line between uh, an event that is organized and takes place at the workplace, a holiday event that takes place at the workplace, a potluck or, you know, uh, something on a Friday or, or something just before the last, the last work day before the holidays versus coming to a hotel um, or, a, um, a, you know, a restaurant or something. We, we've rented out the place for all staff to come and enjoy themselves, but you don't have to go. When I look at the hotel bar scenario, I'm, I'm thinking about some cases that I've been involved in back in the day that, that were a part of investigation for sexual harassment, is that people who were doing the harassing or saying inappropriate things, jokes, comments, gestures, touching, showing people things on their phones, that type of thing, say, well, you know, we're all adults and, and we're away from work and I was just kidding and it was no big deal and everybody laughed and I didn't think it was, you know, I, I was doing anything wrong besides I'm not at the workplace. Well, that's, that's old, old days thinking. The new way of looking at it, and if you hear this from the plaintiff's attorneys, they would say, look, there is an expectation of appropriate behavior following policy even though we're not at work because it is a work-related connection. It is a work-related nexus where there's an expectation that people do not um, are, get exposed to things they don't want to tolerate. They don't get exposed to things that, that, are, that um, would embarrass them or humiliate them or, or put them in a situation where it's, it's – you know, done in front of other people, and somehow it's it's free to do so because we're not at work. It's not that way at all. We look at this sense of of sort of rationalization that people have. It it misses the idea that the workplace is now this larger larger connection. I'll give an example. This is one I have said to supervisors when I teach my sexual harassment prevention program, which I've done for for. 25 plus years. Um, as a side note, in California, where I came from, uh, they passed something called AB 1825, Assembly Bill 1825, mandated sexual harassment training for all supervisors uh, for organizations with, with 50 or more employees every two years. And then they changed it to the number of employees got smaller and smaller, and they, they still had the same mandate for sexual harassment prevention, awareness, response training for managers and supervisors every two years. And then they switched it over to all employees, not just managers and supervisors, every two years. And then, and this is because of some behavior of some politicians, uh, local level politicians in, in California, they switched it over and said not only managers, supervisors, and employees, but all elected or appointed officials. So we had some issues with some mayors and some water board uh, representatives and city council members and county board of supervisors members, inappropriate, sexually harassing, bullying, um, uh, racially harassing behaviors. So in California, always trying to be a progressive state, said we're going to mandate this type of training for, for this, these three groups. First, supervisors, then it was all employees, including supervisors, and then it was all employees, supervisors, and elected or appointed officials as well. So I don't know that a whole lot of other states have that same type of criteria, but certainly California does. So here's an example that I would tell people when I would teach my, my California-oriented, or any, anybody, doesn't have to be in California because the example applies as well, um, um, an example in, in how this um, delineation of what the workplace is by going to the pizza parlor. 
So let's say you've had a great holiday season or a great quarter with your team. And as a supervisor, you're taking them out for pizza. It's Friday night. You're at the pizza place. Everybody's getting pies. There's soda and water and iced tea and lemonade. And some people are having beers and, and everybody's enjoying themselves talking about life and work and sports and politics and hobbies and kids and families and, and everything that we do when we're in a social environment like that. So you're a supervisor. Let's say you have six or 10 people there that work for you at the table and somebody makes a clearly sexually or racially harassing comment at the table, a joke, a comment, uh, some sort of thing that may be connected to, you know, what's happening in the national political culture, but it's, a, it's clearly sexually or racially harassing. And oftentimes what happens in that situation is people laugh, sometimes uncomfortably or, or in an embarrassed way because they don't want dead silence in the room, even though they don't agree with what happened, they don't like it, but peer pressure sometimes sort of connects them. So I ask people, when I have managers and supervisors in the training environment, if you were the supervisor, what would you do in that situation? And the answers I get kind of um, surprise me sometimes or maybe are perhaps indicative of less knowledge about the subject than I would hope in this enlightened era. And it's, it's oftentimes the wrong answer. And here's what I typically hear. And by the way, keep in mind that I'm asking the response to this scenario of managers and supervisors, not frontline employees. If you were the manager or supervisor in that, that pizza place environment and you heard that joke or comment of a racial or sexually harassing nature, what would you do? And here's some of the answers that I hear. Some supervisors say, well, I'd pull the person aside and whisper to him, hey, that's not appropriate. You know, we don't, we don't do that. We're, we're, this is still a work-related activity, so, so don't, don't do that anymore. Okay. Uh, what else might you do? And then someone else might say, well, I would say uh, I, I'd, I'd talk to the person after the event was over or the next day and say, you know, we really don't do that here, and it's not appropriate. And I know it was, you know, kind of a pizza thing, and, and we're supposed to be having a good time. But I, I, I definitely pull the person aside maybe the day after and talk to him about it. I say, okay. Who else? Well, I, you know, I might, um, uh, I might look around the room and see who was offended. And if, if a lot of people were offended, I would say something. And all, all of those three suggestions are dead wrong. They're absolutely completely wrong. What you're supposed to do is say to everybody at that moment, hey, folks, let's stop for a second. Not appropriate. What's this person said? I'd like you to apologize in front of the group. It's not appropriate to say those things. We are still in a work-related environment. I'm not trying to ruin everybody's good time. Um, don't, don't say that stuff again. It, it's not what I allow. It's not what you should allow. Let's, uh, let's have an apology. Let's, let's get back to having a good time. But that's not what we do here. Now, a couple reasons for that. One, let's say that you thought the appropriate answer would be to pull the person aside and have a whispered conversation with him or her about whether or not it was inappropriate or if it wasn't appropriate, you know, it shouldn't be done. The problem, from my perspective, of the whispered conversation is maybe people think, hey, the boss is agreeing or the boss thinks it's okay or the boss is telling his or her own joke or the boss is saying, yeah, that was a good one. I just can't say it out loud in front of everybody. So the whispered conversation does not work. The second one of, well, let me pull this person aside uh, a day or two afterwards, uh, absolutely does the wrong thing as in terms of the response of the message to the group, which is this person may get 
scolded about it from you later on, which nobody else sees, and and that's ridiculous. And somehow that's that's you know you say, well, I addressed it, but you didn't address it in front of everybody else, which means that that the perspective of some of the people, in fact, maybe even many of the people in the group, is that you somehow condone the joke or the comment or the behavior. This idea of of sort of the third third perspective of, of sort of looking around the room and kind of assessing the damage, quote unquote, of that of that comment, and then and then kind of trying to move on in sort of an awkward way is not appropriate either. I would say we don't do this here. It's not what we do in the workplace, and because this is an extension of the workplace, uh, we don't do this. I don't allow it. I don't want it to continue tonight. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like an apology if you think that's appropriate to do. And if, if it's, if it's for the person to say, hey, I wish I hadn't said it, please apologize to the group. Let's get back to, to enjoying ourselves and enjoying, enjoying what we're doing here. But without that, what I would say at that point is, and, and you know, this can be a buzzkill to do it, but at that point you say, okay, we continue the pizza party. We continue cocktails, beers, sodas, iced tea, water. People stay and and sometimes they want to take off after they've had enough beer and pizza or soda and pizza and move on with the rest of their lives, go home to see their family and kids. Fine. At some point, you leave and you say, okay, good night, everybody, and you go home. What they do afterwards, you um, hope is appropriate and and within policy in terms of not, not being sexually or racially harassing, but you've gone home at least safe in the knowledge as best as you can articulate it to yourself that I attempted to correct this clear wrong. I attempted to set the group back on an appropriate course of behavior by saying we don't do that here. Now, what they do afterwards in terms of their own behavior is, is up to them. And, and But what we're trying to say is uh, as a supervisor manager, I do not condone or allow this behavior on my watch even though we are in a, a social situation. We can't control people in what they do outside of work. We can have policies, we can suggest it, we can coach, we can even use discipline in these situations if it's appropriate. But we can't control people's behavior. But as a supervisor, at least what you can say is, when I was there at the pizza place, I attempted to draw a clear line in the sand that said this is inappropriate. When you think about this in terms of the totality, the message you're trying to say is, I have a respect for everybody that works for me, and we should have respect for each of us in the workplace, even though we are moving it from the office, the library facility, the wherever we are, the office facility, to a social environment, the rules of conduct and behavior still apply. The reason that you address it with the larger group, instead of pulling the person aside silently, quietly, you know, in a whispered conversation, is that it sends the message that you're trying to set an appropriate boundary at that exact moment. Here's why. I'm no lawyer, but I have seen versions of the story that I have told you turn into some litigation where the employee remembers what he or she was eating, what they had on their pizza, where you were sitting, what you had on your pizza, and everything else about that that situation and environment even six months after it happened because they were so offended. I, I get it. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen by saying, look, let's be appropriate. And even perhaps depending on the type of group, and I've seen this in Oftentimes in a male-based environment, you know, all males getting getting together. Uh, I do a lot of stuff with public works and cops and firefighters and, and you know, kind of rough and ready um, um, crews sometimes is to say, look, before we go out, I just want to remind everybody, 
you know, what happens here is pretty similar to what happens in the workplace in terms of the connection. So be appropriate and don't do things that involve liquor or jokes or comments or physical contact or anything like that that would embarrass this organization or embarrass me or embarrass you and create some type of situation which could be reasonably perceived as being a policy violation of our sexual or racial harassment policies. Some of you may have heard me talk about my membership in the Society for Human Resource Management, or SHRM, S-H-R-M. SHRM has a magazine called HR Magazine, and this is their fall 2023 article, which I'm referring to here. It's from a section they do called Ask an Expert, and the title of the, of the segment, this article, is Off-Duty Sexual Harassment. And the subtitle is, Can We Discipline an Employee for Alleged Sexual Harassment After Work Hours? And the person that wrote this, uh, Patricia Graves, uh, she's uh, called an HR knowledge advisor for the Society for Human Resource Management. I'm quoting from a piece here. She says, situations in, in which, quote, workplace relatedness, unquote, applies includes when employees travel for business or when groups of employees, especially managers and their direct reports, attend a work function or work event after work hours. So that they, she refers to that phrase as work-relatedness, workplace-relatedness. If a job connection exists, HR should investigate allegations of off-duty sexual harassment. I would include racial harassment as well. Some courts have held that employers may face potential liability if they're aware of an employee's alleged harassment and fail to take appropriate action to stop it, even if the alleged harassment occurred outside of the workplace. Off-duty sexual harassment can certainly spill into the workplace, and an employee has an, ob an employer has an obligation to address it to ensure the safety of employees. So, that's a good recap of what I has what I was talking about, which is this this nexus, this workplace relatedness, and how managers and supervisors need to be vigilant. It sounds like I'm trying to be a buzzkill and, and ruin everybody's good time, but we have all been in social situations personally and professionally where people have done things that were not appropriate, and sometimes it's not that big of a deal. We just roll our eyes and say, well, you know, that's how that person is. That's sort of their reputation or their, their kind of personality. Uh, that doesn't make it right, but that's oftentimes what we say. And then there are other situations where it's pretty egregious, pretty outrageous, and people are embarrassed, humiliated. Um, there's hazing, there's bullying, there's physical contact, there's, there's sexual physical contact of an unwanted nature, which is clearly uh, not what we want to happen in a social situation, but sometimes these things do. Continuing in uh, the piece here, uh, Patricia Graves says, and since off-duty, off-hours conduct may put an employer in legal or financial jeopardy, the employer has a legitimate reason to investigate the situation and take appropriate action. So HR professionals are looking at these situations and saying, how do we educate our staff at all levels to recognize the importance of social boundaries and policies in on-duty and even off-duty situations? Uh, just wrapping up her, her piece here, um, she says, employers should clearly state that their anti-sexual harassment policies apply to off-duty behavior as well as on-duty. Anti-harassment, code of conduct, and disciplinary action policies should all mention the consequences of off-duty conduct that may result in the, in the harm of an employer's brand or reputation or business. HR should address employee off-duty behavior in multiple policies rather than t having a separate policy for it. Taking precautionary measures can help employers prevent employee harassment and reduce their company's potential liability. 
to continue the dynamic where these things may um, get worse in in off-duty or off-hours uh, away from the property uh, situations, alcohol tends to be the biggest the biggest denominator. Uh, I've seen this at Friday night softball games with with employees. I've seen it at people's uh, birthday parties. I've seen it at, at people's home uh, barbecues and, and things like that where folks come over to watch watch sports and, and where alcohol gets uh, certain people out of control in their behavior and then um, um, you know their, their drunken behavior turns into something that's embarrassing for a lot of people. So it's, it's, it's useful to want to believe that adults can control their alcohol intake, but sometimes it may take a reminder for those situations where it seems to be getting out of control. And I'll give you an example. One of my friends is a pretty high-ranking person in his organization, and, and he would show up at, at people's birthday parties or barbecues and, and kind of do a, 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 you know, a show to say, hey, the boss is here to say hello and to congratulate this person on an anniversary or retirement or promotion or, or birthday or whatever it happens to be. And, and people were kind of uncomfortable when that, the, the, big, the big chief was there. And he would say, yeah, I get it. Uh, these folks want to have a good time after I leave. So I will have a ceremonial beer. I'll shake everybody's hand. I'll wish the person who's, who, who the party is for congratulations for whatever the event happens to be. And then I head on my way so that, that people can enjoy themselves. But they know that my presence there is kind of a reminder, even after I'm gone, that, hey, let's keep it appropriate. Let's, let's be reasonable. Let's stay within policy in terms of our total conduct as employees together. It's just a whole new, wider, broader world where we have work from home, we have satellite offices, we have employees working uh, exclusively through the internet and Zoom and things like that. Uh, we have situations where uh, people travel and think of all the ways where we have employees together, rental cars, hotel shuttles, car rental shuttles, airplanes, uh, hotel conference rooms where training is taking place, lunch, breakfast, dinner, uh, cocktails afterwards, uh, study sessions where people are getting together in their r respective hotel rooms to, to study the material for the next day if there's you know complex training things that are going on. All those things are an extension of the workplace, and all those things are, in my view, and uh, again, as a non-lawyer, but in my view as an HR professional, these are the types of events where we put a larger frame a larger box, a larger boundary box around those events and say there is a nexus, a connection to the workplace. And we may have to, uh, in a polite, careful email to all hands, or in a, in a broader discussion perhaps in, in staff meetings and, and pre-holiday event uh, kickoffs, just remind everybody in a polite, and, and friendly but, but firm way that, hey, let's enjoy each other, let's have a good time, but let's remember that this has a workplace connection, follow our policies, be appropriate, uh, enjoy what you're doing, enjoy the holiday season, um, but remember that we have boundaries for this as we would as if we were sitting in a conference room and it's important that we follow those boundaries. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast. This podcast is produced by Steve Hargadon, the founder of Library 2.0. And you can find more about uh, Steve Hargadon and Library 2.0 at library20.com. You can also find out more about my new book, 
The Safe Library at www.thesafelibrary.com. Until next time, I'm Dr. Steve Albrecht. Thanks for listening to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast.